0: This is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly. This podcast aims to educate, inform, and keep you motivated on your period and HA recovery track. So let's dive in. But last thing nothing on the show should be taken as medical advice, so please seek the advice of your physician. as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass, or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's thehasociety.com forward slash masterclass. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to me, you're listening to Ashley, and you're listening to one of Ashley's completed
1: successful clients Amy welcome to the show Amy all right thanks thanks I'm excited to be here thanks for having me yes thank you for agreeing to participate Um, I will be listening to your story
0: for the first time ever because uh you worked with Ashley so you know I'm going to just hand it over to Ash for a sec to sort of introduce this like why she requested your presence (laughs) So and then she'll hand over to you to kind of tell us a bit about yourself and where your journey begins.
2: Yeah. Um. So I'm super excited to have Amy simply because I feel like her story resonates with so many people. And I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Amy, I feel like you're probably still in this like ambivalent state of like, I've recovered, but um, I don't feel recovered. And I feel like I have so much more to do and I actually have so much more to accomplish. But I thought it was just so important because sometimes we can get to the end of the story and and like I've been talking about this with my clients, a healing journey can be, it tends to be stressful, you know what I mean? And there's good stress, right? And there is some stress that's required in order to create change and stuff like that. So I didn't want us to get too far removed from this newly recovered fresh. And I just wanted us to capture like all the moments and all the feelings and just kind of put it out there cuz i know people feel like this. Um so i kind of want to start from the very beginning. Like when did you first hear about us? Cuz i think you have a unique story that you've kind of been a part of our community for a while now.
1: Yeah, um well definitely just first off like i totally yeah i'm still feel like i'm on the roller coaster. So kind of feels weird to even be here telling my story because i feel like i'm still definitely in it. So um just yeah i don't i don't know if i yeah it feels weird to even say i'm recovered i feel like i still have a lot of ways to go so um but with with that yeah i have um kind of just been like on the peripheral for a while um i i i mean once i i kind of I found out I was very similar to a lot of women that I've heard um, through the HA Society share their story. I was on birth control for a while, and then I came off birth control and had no period. And I and I want to go back to the beginning of that too, but just when I just to speak to when I found you guys, I I came off and I pretty quickly figured out my problem, but I just it took me years to be willing to do anything about it. Um, so, so I've just been kind of listening, watching, consuming the content. And then it, it took me seriously, like five years to actually pull the trigger and do anything about it. So, so yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at right now, but, um, to go back to when it all started and I've been thinking about this a lot and trying to kind of pinpoint, cause this is where I'm at in my journey, like kind of trying to figure out what are my triggers and why do i do the things i do and um so i think back to the beginning and um i well right now i'm 34 years old now and probably right out of college i had put on weight in college just doing the regular college stuff and having a lot of fun and um gained weight that i wasn't really thrilled about so it it really started for me i think innocently enough where i just was trying to make some swaps in my food choices to what I thought were healthier choices or I guess lower calorie choices. And um I got my first job and I was a teacher and I taught middle school and I had end of the day planning period. So that meant like I had students and I had classes all day until like 1 thirty. So I would start school at 7 thirty and I wouldn't have, more than like a 10 minute break until 1 30. So it got like really easy for me to just not eat that whole time. And, um, I also, at that time was living on my own for, I mean, in college I did, but this was like my first like real apartment by myself. And my apartment complex had a gym for residents that we could, it was free with your rent, I guess. So I kind of, I, you know, I started eating less, I think overall, because, well, I mean, I don't, I, I guess at the time it was just because of my schedule, because I don't think I was doing it on purpose. I just was going really long spans of time without eating. And, um, and then I would use the gym. It was my first time I ever had, I never wanted to like pay for a gym membership. So this was free and it was right there and I could walk to it from where I lived. So I would go to the gym after work or I would go on the weekends and it all started like innocently enough. And I definitely like lost the weight that I had gained in um college, and then probably a little bit after that, and I started, you know, getting compliments. I, I mean, like from like my grandma. I remember my grandma giving me a compliment about that I looked good, and and um, yeah. So and then I just kind of kept going. I just kept going, and then when I, so that was probably I was probably like 22 when I started all that, and I just then I learned more about um. I feel silly even saying like healthy eating because I know it wasn't healthy, but you know, but I learned more about, you know, cauliflower rice instead of rice and all this, the easy swaps. And so I kept doing more and more of it. And um, so that was probably 22 then. And I still had my period then and my cycle and everything. And when I was 24, my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and. I was 24, so um, just kind of going through um, with her, I went to my doctors and asked like preventatively what can I do, I don't want this to happen to me, and they kind of said like, well, aside of like having a hysterectomy, which I, you know, don't want to do, I don't want to do ever, but didn't want to do certainly before having kids. they said, really, the only thing we have scientific evidence that helps is going on birth control. And up until this point, I had never been on birth control. I just, um, I mean, I guess I should say, like, I had very regular cycles. I, 28 days to the day, I never had PMS. It was very textbook, straightforward. I I obviously, I wasn't charting anything. So I don't know if I was ovulating or when, well, I know I was ovulating. I don't know when, but it was a very easy cycle. So Um, I never went on birth control until then. So at age 24, they told me if I went on birth control for five or more consecutive years, um, that was like the only thing that I could really do preventatively to help me lessen my likelihood of getting ovarian cancer in the future. And I just, I just believed them. And I started taking birth control and I was on it for five years and, um, all during that five years i was digging in deeper working out more eating less losing more weight i um i got married during that time and um i so so i i knew i knew i was like in may of this year is my five year mark i'm coming off birth control because i want kids and that was like always something kids was always something I I always wanted. I, I mean, I was a teacher, but I knew it was all like temporary until I could just be a mom. And um, so I came off birth control at age 29 and no period. So um, I like quickly, um, you know, I did a little Googling, like you said, and I found, oh, some people it takes like three months for your period to come back after coming off birth control. And so I waited the three months and then nothing. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to the doctor. I I'm too impatient and I don't understand what's happening. And so I went to the doctor and you know, they looked me over and I was, I was thin for me, but like a totally normal, um, BMI and everything. So, um, I think I, I don't exactly know, but I, I was, I was like, my BMI was probably like 23. I I don't, I don't know exactly. I don't really remember, but it was very average, very normal, very average. Um, so they kind of, kind of looked at me as like unexplained infertility and they just, um, I did all the, all the blood tests, all the workups, all the stuff. And, um, I, I don't remember like the big ones, but I, they did the HSG thing where you have to check if your tubes are open and that was fine. And, um, my husband had to do the semen analysis and that was fine. And, um, all, everything was normal, 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 fine, fine, fine. But here I am not ovulating and no period and, um, nothing. So I kind of dug into it on my own. Oh, all the, all the things like they checked prolactin, that was normal. Like all the things that could inhibit your, your cycle, none of the markers. And I don't think anybody questioned or looked at whether or not I had HA, if they even knew about it, because I, I, I wasn't like that thin. I was thinner than I had, than I had been, but I, I wasn't thin um, or I wasn't too thin, I guess. And I wasn't running marathons. I mean, I was working out. I mean, a lot more than I do now. I was working out probably like five or six days a week, but I was doing like 30 minute DVDs in my basement or on Saturdays I would go to Orange Theory Fitness. And so it felt like a very reasonable amount of activity for me. And So anyway, I did like all the initial like fertility workup testing, got all my lab values, which were all very low, but nobody, they were like in the normal range, just like the very low end. So I think like the doctors just saw that it was in the normal range. So nobody, nobody was concerned about it. And my OBGYN just kind of was like, okay, well, yeah, we've done all we can do. And we'll just pass you on to a fertility clinic. Since my my goal, I I wanted kids. Um, and I get, I also did the Provera challenge and that I did bleed after doing that. And so that kind of, I, I Googled, I did a lot of Googling. I Googled like, why, why is this good? Why you know, is it better to have a bleed on Provera, is it not? And then it kind of like, I I don't even remember. I don't even think I found you guys at that point, because that would have been like 2017. And I don't know if you were around then. But I, I started like, I got some hits on Google. And I started like piecing it together myself, but I was also too impatient to figure it out. So when they said, we'll write you a referral to a fertility clinic, I was like sure sign me up let's just go do it I don't feel like you know I just want to get this done so I I went um so I did I went to a fertility clinic and I um started treatment there and they started me on just um femara femara um letrozole I think it's the same thing um which is just like a oral um, pill to take to help um, grow follicles to induce ovulation and it did not work. I didn't ovulate after taking it. Um, so they up my dose, it did not work. So they up my dose again, it did not work. Like a follicle or two would like kind of get a little bigger but nothing would ever grow enough to be mature enough to ovulate. Um, so then I switched to injectable hormones um injectable I want to say LH I can't even remember now I should have like re-looked at that stuff but it was or maybe FSH would it make sense that it was FSH I think FSH so I would and it was low dose injections but that um that worked and I um So I was able to ovulate with the combination of the oral pill and the um, injectable medication, um, and I did conceive on my first time ovulating using that, um, using the injections, and um, the. But we and so we ended up with twins. So I, um, which is I guess probably more. I think pretty common um, when using um, injections, it's a little less, you're a little less able to, um, control how many eggs, I guess. And, um, so, so yeah, so then I was pregnant and I had the twins and it was great. And I felt like, you know, I just felt like so relieved because I was so stressed about, um, getting pregnant and the timeline and the, you know, I already felt behind because I had to wait till I was 29. I already felt like it was not, the way I wanted to, I wanted to have kids way before that. And um, I, so it was a big relief and I felt like, you know, twins is tough. Twins, twins has been tough, Um, but it felt like maybe it was like a good thing because I didn't know if I was gonna be able, if that was gonna be it, you know, I, I didn't know um, how, how, what was in the future. So, so I had the twins and um they they're great they it was a, actually a really easy pregnancy weirdly um not a lot of issues and um twins like i said they're tough but they were good and um i myself i ha- i'm one of three siblings and we're all super close in age and i always you know i i i always knew i wanted kids i always knew i wanted a lot of kids and i always wanted them to be close in age So after my twins were born, I had read or Googled somewhere that a lot of times if you um, have HA and you're able to have a successful pregnancy, that maybe um, it's more likely that your period will come back after you have the baby. So I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe, you know, my period will come back and I can, and I'll be normal. And, um, uh, but of course it didn't. And I, after I had the twins, I probably dug in, I think a little deeper even into HA because I was very um, conscious about losing the weight that I had gained when I was pregnant with them. And also my best friend got married shortly. I think my girls, they were, they were like four months old when she got married and I was the maid of honor. So I was really wanted to make sure I knew I was gonna have to be up there and give that speech and people were gonna be looking at me. And so I did, I mean, this is like wild to even say, but I did um, the like 21 day fix beach body, um diet uh, when I probably should have been like consuming like five times the food because I was trying to like breastfeed twins. Um, but so I lost A lot of i mean a decent amount of weight i i was definitely i weighed less at four months postpartum with the twins than i weighed when i got pregnant with them definitely um and i remember at the wedding um my my parents were my dad was invited um she's been like my best friend for a long time so my dad and my stepmom were there And I remember them saying to me, like, "You look really thin. Like, you look really thin." And they said it in a way where, looking back, I think he said it with concern, but I took it as like, "Oh, well, thanks. You know, I look so thin, and and I just had these two babies, and I I carried twins, and I'm so thin." And um, yeah, can I just say, like,
0: because this might be important for people to hear, is like. mm -hmm. There is also sometimes a glorification. Ah, oh, people are worried about me. That's and there's actually a real i oh, if anyone could think of it, there's like a comedy act about it where the girl like okay. kind of like making fun about fun of it. She's just like, oh, you're worried about me? Like I must think- be so
1: thin. And it's like this weird subconscious thing that we do. I think there's like a recent episode of the Kardashians where people were saying that. Um yeah, I want to be like you're a concern for me, Then. <laughs> yeah. That's it. real. So I just want to call that out. Yeah, I and mean, may I think I probably felt that. I think that was where I was at because I felt like I don't know. I look back at pictures of myself at that time and I'm like, yeah, I think that was probably my thinnest. And again though, I don't think any stranger off the street who didn't know me would look at me and think that person has a problem. I, I think I, I looked very average, very normal, but people who knew me, people who knew, I mean, my dad knew me growing up. I was always average, not um, not that thin, not that, I, I don't know. I think very average, but I think my dad could look at me and say like, you're, you're pretty thin for you. Um, I also think like, I was definitely like in the bunker of having like newborn twins. I was stressed. I was overtired. It was all the things that make that give you HA. I was definitely like, I was in it. Um, yeah, so that shortly, I guess shortly after that, we started talking you know, I, I knew I wanted more kids and, um, I also knew that it probably, I was probably going to need medical help again. Um, and, um, we had moved, uh, another, my, my husband is, um, in the military. So we had moved. And, um, so I needed to start with a new fertility clinic and the way that the military doctors work, you have to like, go to your primary care to get a referral out. I couldn't just go or ask for a referral. It was, it's a whole process. So I started, early, the twins were probably like seven months old when I asked for the referral and I got in with the new fertility clinic and they kind of looked at me like, you just had a baby seven months ago. Like, we're not going to do anything till they're at least like 10 or 11 months old. And so I waited till then. And, um, I, so, so yeah, so I got in with them. They were probably around a year old when I started back on treatment and, um, this was also around the start of covid so it was just like so many hoops to jump through because i couldn't i couldn't bring them to my appointments i had to find like childcare for them we don't live by our family i also um this is something that i hadn't shared with my family so i was also just very alone in um figuring out the logistics of how to get fertility treatment with zero help and um so i started back in on fertility treatment and um then it was like a shutdown for a little while because of covid and that like totally stressed me out and um that is the time i remember walking my dog which i was one of those people that you were talking about in a recent podcast that would make the excuse that my dog needed an hour walk every day. Um, I would strap those twins into the double stroller. The one hated it and she would cry the entire hour every day. But I told myself it's for the dog. I have to do it. So I would walk every day for an hour and I would, um, listen to podcasts while I was walking and it was around this time that I remember, um, listening to, I don't remember what the, what your podcast it was one of your first podcasts and I had found no period. Now what just by my Googling and just similar to to many women i've heard i read in like a day because everything in it just felt like this is me this is everything resonated and then i i don't even know how i found you but i remember listening to the podcast while i was walking and i remember thinking like yep this is it like i need this is what i need to do and so it was it was at that point my twins were about a little over a year old that I I knew what I had to do, but I just like couldn't do it. And so I was also, I, so I started back up in fertility treatment and I, and they, no, now I'm getting it messed up. I went to also a regular endocrinologist and I did all the, the brain testing things to make sure that it wasn't you know, something else. Cause I had to rule everything else out. Right. I had to like be totally sure that it was simply that I wasn't eating enough or, and I, I love it. <laughs> you know, I don't, yeah, I did, I did everything. And I read that book and I listened to the podcast and I knew it. And I would talk to my husband about it and he would be like, well, Amy, why don't you just like eat a piece of toast in the morning? And I'd be like, yeah, maybe I will. And then I would wake up And it would be like panic and I would not eat the toast. I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't put one foot in front of the other with this. And so I went back into fertility treatment and they kind of started things back up a little bit into COVID. And again, at this point I had my my prescription, if you will, from the first time. So I just handed that over to the new doctor and they put me on the same regimen of the oral pills and the injections. And I did ovulate again using those. And to be honest, I think I was working out a little bit less than I was prior to having the twins just because of life. And I actually needed a lower dose of the medicine Um, so I think there was a little bit of natural healing just in, um, in life slowing me down. Um, so I ovulated and I got pregnant and my husband went on a 10 week, I guess it was technically deployment. It was like a 10 week thing. And I had my first appointment while he was gone and I had the two twins home by myself away from all family And I went into my first eight week ultrasound to find out that there was no heartbeat. And so I had a miscarriage and I was alone and had to continue taking care of two 16 month old babies. And it was just so hard and so devastating and a feeling I never want to feel again. And I just felt like this gripping panic because. Miscarriage is hard and it's heartbreaking and it's common. And a lot of people have that story, but a lot of people can try again a lot easier than I could. And so, which is a whole nother, you know, a whole nother story of how that, that grief and all that is like another layer of things. But, so that was really hard, but as soon as I was able to, I got back on the fertility treatment, same thing and I got pregnant again, and that time it was just a single baby, and she, um, so actually today she's 17 months old, so she's 17 months old today, and um, she's just the best, I, she's just the best, and um, so, so, so I had her, and I um, breastfed her for a year, and at a year old, i really for me i was like i just this breastfeeding thing is is a lot and um i i didn't make it very long with the twins so this was like my first time really going through it and i had that goal and i think a little bit of my like controlling you know type a personality i was like i'm going to do it a year it's hard but i'm going to do it i'm going to you know just push through and um i mean so during that year, I, I just told myself, I'm not going to worry about my period because I'm not going to get my period anyway, because I'm breastfeeding. And I, I know that's not true, but that's what I told myself. I I know lots of people who get their who get pregnant when they're breastfeeding because they don't, you know, realize that you can still have a cycle while you're breastfeeding. But I told myself, like, I'm just not going to worry about it. And I continued, um, prioritizing, exercise as much as I could and I um yeah I think now I couldn't walk the dog because I had three kids and not enough stroller seats so I did stop walking the dog uh which I actually do feel bad about because now he gets like zero walks and he's I just- mean well that's
0: the thing is like most of our stories there's a nugget of truth in there yeah. that we yeah. just like take to the next level but yeah I mean I was a part of me sitting here just being like twins and a babe i don't know i'm not that part's like not computing for me like how you could even have this all going on at once is incredible
2: i mean like, i'm trying to walk nugs and my two dogs and it is an absolute cluster it's an absolute cluster
1: Yeah. I don't walk him anymore. I can't, but I like, yeah, yeah, he's for sure the most neglected member of the family. He used to be the only, like the only child, if you will. And now he's just, I don't know. We call call our dog neglecty. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for my dog. He, yeah. Yeah. He, he's a great dog. He like couldn't handle the twins, but he loves the baby. So he it's, he's so sweet, but So, so he gets neglected. I don't, you know, so I, but I did have a thought. I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? I can't walk the dog anymore. Like, how am I gonna like get out? And I mean, what am I going to do? And I would, uh, I would, I would, it was crazy. I, I know I've said this to Ashley. Like I think about what I used to do when my baby was like three months old and I would, you know, she's still up two, three. She was actually a terrible sleeper. She'd didn't sleep through the night till she was 15 months old. But she, she at this point is still up like two or three times at night. And I would, you know, get little sleep and then I would still get up at five, regardless of if I had just been up at 3 30 or four o'clock. I would still get up at five to go exercise before the twins would wake up for the day. And I would go, it just, just workouts in my basement, nothing, you know, no. Group fitness classes, I really like curtailed that, but like still I was running on fumes. I I had no sleep. I I also wasn't eating. And I guess like to circle back to how this all started, like I think ever since having that late planning period, I got really used to not eating all day. And then um my hunger cues were off and I just wasn't hungry. And I mean, I remember in like the early days of like when I still lived in that apartment, when I had my first teaching job and my husband and I were just dating um like him and my best friend who I lived with at the time, they would like have to remind me, like, should we go get lunch? Like we're starving. And I'm like, oh yeah, we should. And then I would sit there panicked about like, oh, I don't want to eat lunch. Like I'm not hungry and I don't want to have this so what do I do when all these people that I love and care about want to go to lunch and I'll just say, oh, I ate a big breakfast or I'll just like, I, I'm not that hungry. I'll just share something of yours. And, um, so all the, all the while, all this time, all while I was teaching, going through fertility treatment, having all my kids, I just like stopped eating during the day. And I, I don't, you know, I don't really know why I did or, or it just became a habit. And then it became like more controlling um, because I felt like after I had kids, I was exercising less. So I should eat less because I'm not burning the calories from the exercise. So I should eat less. And then after I had my third baby, I felt like well now I'm working out even less because I'm not even walking so now I need to eat even less and I was breastfeeding like I don't I don't even know how I could honestly and and then I felt like I think I also looked into this I think that I held on to weight while I was breastfeeding because my body was um I don't know, so undernourished that because I felt like I was at my heaviest that I had been in years while I was breastfeeding, even though I was really keeping my calorie intake low. And I remember being very frustrated with how I felt um, about myself that whole year, because I was like, why, you know, my friend, my best friend is breastfeeding and she's the thinnest she's ever been. And here I am and for some reason i'm just puffy and i can't seem to lose this extra little bit of weight and um so so that should have been a red flag cuz i i read somewhere when your body it doesn't have enough like um fat to it'll hold on to what it does have so that something i don't know to to be able to make enough breast milk i guess
2: but See, you know, i Oh, go ahead. And I are just like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm all uh, over the place. No, 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 no. This is perfect. It's, not that.
0: it's like, it's bringing up a lot of things where like the story that is, there's so many of us are just like, why is my body not cooperating? Mm-hmm. But your body is like, why is this chick not cooperating? We're yeah. trying to help you. We're doing these things to keep you alive and to like and, ship, yeah. running, um, And yeah, it's interesting how like our perception of it is that there is something wrong with us. Hey, do you know what your blind spots are? As in, do you know what it is, what the thing is that is holding you back from getting your period back? Look, it could be an absolute plethora cornucopia of things, but in our practice, what we tend, the first place we tend to go is what, behaviors and habits do you have around food that you may be still doing and these are called blind spots because we just don't necessarily always know that they're an unhelpful habit or that it's something that we're doing whether it be a subconscious or conscious need to control our food or our body or whether it be something that you've just done for so long that it feels normal and like a preference even. We have created a checklist. It's a three-page checklist that goes through food types, behaviors around food and mindsets around food. And what you do is you go through the lists and you check off and you see which ones are you doing whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly and how are they potentially affecting your recovery today. So it's a really simple checklist. It's just three pages. You go through it. There's a very simple scoring system to help you figure out um, how much this may be impacting your recovery. And it's just an insightful thing for you to do to help you reflect. And then you can journal about it or you can learn more about it and just start really working at any of the boxes that you checked and understanding that they're playing a role in your recovery. So to get the checklist. All you have to do is go to the forward slash blind spot and we'll send it straight through to you. You can print it off and you can check on it every now and then. I always recommend a reflection point every like four to six weeks. How are you going? Are you still checking that behavior off or have you, you know, systematically kicked it to the curb? So check it out. It's the forward slash blind spot and it will be waiting for you there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's the best part is that, like, w- your body's like, I am holding on to this because I'm trying to feed you and this baby. And yet we perceive it as like our body has betrayed us. Like, why are you malfunctioning? Which just kind of goes back to like the underlying thing that Danny and I always talk about is HA is not because your body is weak. It is because your body is incredibly intelligent and resilient. Sure. And that HA is a side effect of. Malnutrition, under nutrition to a degree that your body does step in and be like, for survival's sake, we're going to reprioritize what functions are on, what are off, what gets more, what gets less. And I think it's just, I love that you've described it this way because everybody describes it this way. And I think it's truly, truly, and this isn't just our generator. Like our generation, it's the generation before us, and the one before us, and the one before us that tells us that there's something wrong if like we're body is not letting go of baby weight during breastfeeding. When that logic and science is pure marketing and actually has nothing to do with real science and real human anatomy and physiology, And you know what I mean? And so I think I love that you summed it up that way because I'm sure. A lot of people have had it similar, whether it's around breastfeeding or not, possibly not, but to where they're like, I don't understand why my body is holding on. And I'm like, hi, are you starving yourself? Like, it might be a very logical thing. And so I love that you brought this up. Love it. So I feel like this is when you kind of found out about us. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like you, you know, before Danny and I were like, oh my gosh, this brings up so much. I feel like you were just about to dive into obviously you were potentially like, okay, but now I need to like eat the toast, but I'm struggling to eat the toast. Mm -hmm. Like, like, so what sparked your desire to recover?
1: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like I said, so at this point, um, my baby's like a year old, I had been listening to the, I remember early days of the podcast, I've been listening for a long time and it was just something where like, it would come in one year kind of sit for a while and then I would continue on doing what I was doing but just absorbing the information it's kind of like once you know you can't unknow but it was so so I I remember being pregnant listening to the podcast and thinking well, that's good information should I need it later but maybe I won't need it you know and um so I yeah I definitely been listening and very aware at this point of you know what my issues were And I had many, many tearful dinners after the kids went to bed with my husband about just beating myself up. Like, why is this happening to me? All I need to do is eat more and exercise less. And he would look at me like, yeah, so like, just do that. And I'd be like, but like, how do I do it? And so he would say the same, like, just like, eat a piece of toast when you wake up. And I'd be like, okay, yep. I'm going to eat the toast tomorrow. And then I would wake up in the morning and it would be like default settings. Like, and I would just not do it. I would just go right into what I would normally do, which is get up, make the coffee, drink a cup of coffee, go in the basement, work out, come back up, drink more coffee, drink a lot of coffee. And I just like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And so I was listening to the podcast and there was the ad for the email coaching. And, um, I was like, you know what, I'm actually going to go to the website. And so I went to your website, which I had never done before. And this was like, maybe like mid November of 2022. And, um, so nice. like, to website. Yeah, guys go, go to the website. website. Go to the website. I signed up for the discovery call and I was like okay this is low stakes like this is uh, it's non-committal I'm just gonna see what it's about I don't have to make any decisions I don't have to do anything I'm just gonna like ask my questions and it'll be fine and I told my husband about it and he looked at me and he's like so you're gonna pay somebody to tell you to eat more and exercise less and he's like even though like you just told me that you need to do that and I'm like yeah, I was like, yeah, that sounds weird, but like, yeah, I think I'm going to do it, and so I, I was with you, Ashley, on the discovery call, and I talked to you, and I was like, you know, I just, like, I think I know what I need to do, but I need somebody to, like, tell me how to do it, and, like, tell me when you wake up in the morning, go downstairs and do this, like, just X, Y, Z, and, like, just hold me accountable to do it, and even though it's not, like, Ashley's checking in on me every day like did you eat the banana today it but I just felt like I am also such a rule follower that if I told her I'm gonna do it then I'm gonna do it because I don't want to I don't want to disappoint you (laughs) and I don't want like I don't know I just like I, I I think it's just my personality where if I say I'm gonna do something I'm gonna do it so it worked out well for me and um yeah it felt like crazy at first but I was just like I I do think ultimately you know we do want another baby another single baby and um I also like I don't even know if I if I we've since moved again so if I had to go back to fertility treatment I'd have to go through the whole process of getting into another clinic which takes like six months and then I'd have to, I don't even know logistically how I would per, have childcare to go to my, to go to any appointments. It just feels like, it just feels like it's impossible for me to go that route to have another baby. And I also feel like, or I felt like in November, I was the closest to doing it on my own as I had ever been. Um, I mean, the closest to getting pregnant on my own as I had ever been. And I felt like, you know, like, my exercise is really minimal right now. It For me, it, it was really minimal. Um, and it, the eating, I actually think I may have been at my worst at the eating. I, I was going a really long time um, without eating. I, I ate dinner every day. I've never had an issue eating dinner, um, but it was like the whole day was just little snacks here, a little snack there. And it got even more snacky as I had more children, um, just didn't feel like, prepping my own meals or making my own meals so it was easy to just kind of like quell my hunger by if I was hungry in the morning eating a few bites of whatever they whatever I made for them to eat and then my hunger would go away and then it would come back maybe like midday and I would like get a coffee some kind of coffee and eat like a handful of pretzels and it would be fine then it would go away and um then I would eat dinner so So, I mean, yeah. So I feel like I just needed somebody to tell me exactly what to eat and exactly what to do. Um, I knew in my gut that I needed to eat more and I knew I needed to exercise less, but I needed somebody to tell me eat this because I wasn't able to make the decision on my own. I don't, I, maybe that sounds silly. I just like, wasn't able to get up and do it on my own. And I don't think that even if I did, I don't think the choices would have been as like nourishing and, and well-rounded as the things that Ashley has suggested for me, because I'm now I'm eating a lot of stuff that I haven't eaten. I don't even know since like college probably. And so and I, I, I love know. this.
2: I love this because you started, so I'm looking at your chart right now, y'all, so that we could just do like real-time evidence. Yeah. Um, and like we started charting on November 21st and two and a half months later, like you ovulated and you had a really strong, great first luteal phase. I mean, so I, so I think what I just love about your story the most is that I think sometimes. I think our brain tries to protect us, you know, like child, you know, like, you know, like childbirth. Like, I don't know, like, I know it happened, but I can't even tap into like the emotions. You know what I mean? It's almost like it's a movie that I watch. And my husband's like, "No, I was there. It yeah. was very much real, Ashley. Like, it, I remember the sounds you were making, right? Yeah, Being mammalish, right? Yeah. Anyways, um, but I think that like what, what I love is that as, as you're coming out of it, I feel like you're in this transition to where in these two and a half months that, that it took you to ovulate on your, on your own <laughs> yeah. naturally, Yeah, you weren't like sold out on the process. It was still back and forth every single day, back and forth every single day, emotionally, like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But yet you kept moving forward in these itty bitty small steps that we would take each week. And even though there was back and forth, back and forth, so I just want us, like, I love that part of your story because we don't have to feel gung ho. We don't have to be so committed mentally and emotionally. I mean, and when I mean committed, I mean like feeling great or for, or sorry, or confident. Yes, we do need to be committed. You were very much committed. Cause you'd be like, even though I'm back and forth, back and forth, I am going to do this. You know what I mean? So like, we don't need to be hyper confident to actually recover and as I'm looking at your chart, like, yeah, you had like the perfect, like one, two, three, four, five, like six days of cervical mucus leading up ovulation. It stopped. And then your first one was nine days, which yeah. for a first cycle is huge. It is so like so much progress, but I love it because for you, it's like, yeah, just tell us about that, about like almost not feeling confident. And then yeah, it I happened.
1: think I, Yeah, <laughs> I um, yeah, I I still feel that way. And it has definitely, yeah. When I start thinking about like since I started with you, it has definitely been up and down and back and forth. And like there was at least two times that I can think of that I was really like, I'm gonna throw in the towel, I'm not doing this anymore. And I and and both of those times something happened it was like serendipitous that something happened that like changed my outlook on it and got me to stay the course but but yeah I mean I started and honestly like the first two weeks I was adding in a little bit of food and I saw my temperatures rise and I was like this isn't so bad and I'm seeing this clear evidence that it's helping and I actually feel better um, in my skin because I you know just giving it a little bit more food give my body a little more food and then like there was like oh I don't even know actually like six weeks where I felt like nothing was changing where I just felt like stuck at this like kind like I don't even know if they were in range temperatures but they were like on the cusp but not enough and I felt like every week we're adding something in we're adding something in and nothing's changing and nothing's changing And I was like, this just isn't for me. My body's just not gonna do it. It clearly look at this four weeks and no change. And um, and I was just like over it. And then I I I don't remember if I asked, I was like, how like how far do I have to go? Like, I'm already eating so much more than I want. Like, what why is this not doing anything? And you sent me like, okay, well, here's like the full plan. Like, here you go. And it was like. Such a shock, looking at all the food that I was gonna have to possibly eventually work up to eating that it sent me into like full breakdown. and I was like, and it and it's not I mean I asked for it. I wanted to see it, but it was like overwhelming because I felt like I was already eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. but then I looked at the plan and I was like, "Wow, what I'm considering breakfast and lunch, Ashley's telling me is a snack. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to do this. And I was really like, I just can't like I'm done. I'm not going to do it. And the next day, well, like four days later, actually, um, I had an anovulatory bleed. And I was like, okay, what is happening? And that even though I hadn't ovulated, that bleed I mean I had had like on and off spotting as well I guess I should say like that whole like first six or seven weeks and I was always so confused by it like what is this like why does this happen a little bit of like blood-tinged mucus here and there like probably like three times a week I would see it and I'm like this has to be a good sign because this wouldn't happen if there wasn't hormones but like what's going on and so then that moment of like like breakdown of like I just can't do it and we were going out of town for the weekend anyway so I just kind of told myself like I'm just gonna table this till after the weekend like I'm just I'm taking a mental break I've hit a wall and then while we were out of town that weekend I had this bleed start and it was a significant bleed more than the spotting and it just like I was like okay so this is something and so that motivated me to keep going and stick with the plan and i think at that point it it was the next it was after that bleed that i ovulated um so which also caught me off guard because i again felt like i um at that time that week that i ovulated all three of my kids had got this like crazy crazy illness where all they had was a super high fever They had no symptoms of anything else, no cough, no congestion, no negative for everything. And they just had these super high fevers, like 102, 103, like high, high fevers. And um, none of them felt good. So they weren't sleeping good. And also like, it was like, if I, every three hours we were alternating Tylenol, Motrin. So I was up like every night, I mean, ping-ponging between the three of them, who needs their Tylenol, who needs their Motrin. I mean, I was up all the time. So my temperatures were just like really hard to follow. I couldn't understand what was happening. I wasn't I wasn't getting a good solid chunk of sleep. And I was also up at weird times. So I, I was getting frustrated with my chart because I was like, oh, this is the only metric I have to know if like something is is happening or working and it wasn't reliable. So I didn't really know where I was at if my temperatures were like in range or not. Um, I had also been taking the ovulation test strips every day like the ones that you can. So I was using those and um, I, they, they were always, there was a line but it was always a low value or whatever. And, um, my husband happened to be gone that week for work. And um, I I was so frustrated because I'm taking care of these three sick kids by myself. I'm not sleeping. And I was, again, just ready to throw in the towel because I was like, this is too much. Like I'm stressed about making sure I'm eating what I need to eat, that I'm timing it all out. I'm trying to get them to eat. I'm trying to take care of them. It was just too much. And then I took a test strip and it came back high, like a high value, a positive value. And I had never seen that before, never. And so it was like, okay, then I was like motivated to keep going. So it was like every time that I felt like I was like at my wits end, ready to throw in the towel, something happened that told me you have to keep going. So,
2: so we joke all the time that like, whenever our clients are just about to quit, they're like, I'm firing you as a coach. I'm I'm firing everybody. I'm firing this season of my life. I refuse to participate. I will not do this. I am giving up. Nobody talked to me about it. It's always when like I'm like, so you're about to either start or you just ovulated because it's just it it never fails. So now, like when I have a, like a client that is like on the ropes or like, I, I am out of here. I'm like, okay, Danny, I'm either gonna get fired as a coach. And they're going to recover right now, but they're going to be coming back. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, we joke all the time just because we see it so much. And so not that that is to be like, not paying attention to you.
0: It's like a relief. Like, oh my it gosh, it is.
2: Why? I'm like, woo! This thank person goodness. Person is
0: experiencing some
2: emotions. Like, yes, we're on <laughs> track. <laughs> like, welcome back, emotions. How does that feel? They're a little spicy right now. I understand, but we're <laughs> gonna be okay. And like, and I think just Never like, thought plug, about it like that. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, like, just a plug for our certification course in this moment. Of if anyone's listening, is that this is why it's so important. That I think it's just beautiful that we get to walk along the side of someone's journey and we never take it personal. So that's why I never take what clients say personal because I know that they are in a tailspin of their own. And honestly, if anyone would have ever spoken to me during my recovery about my recovery, game over. I would have like bit your head off, right? Because I was just so emotionally at my wits end that I think it's just like, This is the beauty of not taking it personal because what is on our side of worrying, like, oh my gosh, she's going to quit. She's going to quit on your side is like, it's happening. Yeah. Happening for you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You also need to be able
0: to express how you feel somewhere. I do think like a lot of us are just like, sit down for you to be able to have someone often it's our husband, you know, but maybe it can be a friend or mom or like a, A practitioner which like you may typically feel less comfortable being like f you f this program f everything that you're saying but ideally someone feels comfortable enough to say that because then you're getting it out and -hmm. then you're able to move forward which is what was kind of happening for you you're like you're you're seeing this uh this, this roadblock or this like moment of wanting to quit letting it out in some way or just like allowing yourself to actually experience it versus like pushing it down.
1: Yeah. And then letting the next
0: milestone happen. So
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, I think there was like I said, there was a couple of days where I was like, you know what? I'm giving myself a break today. Like today, I'm just not gonna think about it because I'm it's too much today. And I'm I'm just gonna think about it tomorrow, you know. So I think like, yeah, for me it wasn't like continual climb. There was definitely like days, days in between where I felt like I and like thankfully, like I mean, yeah, my husband is the only person I really talked to about this. So he's been super supportive, but I'm sure he's looking at me like, ah, oh, you're great. Like this is wild. Like I, you know, and I I don't know, just yeah, it happened relatively quickly for me. Um but it felt like longer you know like I look back on it because because you don't you don't know if if somebody could tell me this is going to be tough and you're going to have to keep building on all of this for the next two and a half months and then you'll get there I, it wouldn't be as hard I don't think but the fact that you don't know and now I'm sitting here waiting for my next ovulation and I don't I don't know if or when it's coming and it it's it's scary and it's stressful and and like you you know it's like hard also I'm still like in the up and down like I said like I feel like it's happened before so I should have more confidence that it's going to happen again but I'm still like but it was like a decade until to get to that one and so I'm you know I uh, it's like scary. Like, I don't know. Is it gonna is my body really gonna click back that quickly? You know, after all that, it's
2: so uh this is beautiful because that is the beauty of having a coach because doing it on your own like this is tough. You're right. The like uncertainty, except for thankfully, like you have us, and it's mm-hmm. like, yes, Amy, I've actually seen plenty of other women also ovulate afterwards. And as long as we keep going, there's nothing on your chart that says that you're not going to ovulate. You know what I mean? And so it's just really beautiful to be able to express that and then be able to have someone like be able to speak from a place of experience, you know what I mean? Of guiding people through our proven process to regain their fertility is just like this is what coaching is about and I just love it love it love yeah. it I don't know if Danny had anything because I know that we're getting close to the hour that's okay I'm able to run a little longer if you yeah, okay I got max 10 minutes because nuggy pickup okay <laughs> <laughs> um
0: no I feel like you just kind of you said it ash that it's it's so um I think that the one of the most common questions and I bet you asked this amy it um, was like, okay, well, if I do this, like, how long do you think? Oh, yeah, I've asked that. Yeah. So like, how long do you think, though? Like, I know that you can't give me an answer, really, but like, yeah. what, how long do you think? Um, And it's, it's like, I mean, yeah, it, it depends on so many factors. And the fact that you have all this, what feels like evidence, you know, that the only way for me to get pregnant is through treatment. Of course that's going to be mentally difficult for you compared to hey I've done this once before I can do it again Um, and the one I think something that like for everyone listening who resonates with that um, gosh like I just promise that your body wants to do this like Mm. they're just I just promise that as non-progressive as this sounds it's just like all your body wants to do and even if you um, are experiencing, you know, unsuccessful months um, when trying or miscarriages, it was not for lack of your body's trying. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it really does so much of the time come down to, we need to give our body the raw materials for it to go and do its job. We cannot say, Hey, here's the blueprints, build this house but here are no materials and no budget. We just can't, but but it's so smart. And so much of our work is just like, is not that complicated, right? Like to your sort of husband's point, what do you mean? So it's going to help you eat food. Um, (laughs) and like, I kind of wish that it was more complicated, but I mean, I, I don't, but you know what I mean? Um, but it really is like, we just need, we need to give the body the raw materials. I promise you, it's trying. I promise you, it can do it. We just have to like, give it that, go in with some faith. And I don't even want to say blind faith, Mm-mm. you know, it's like, cause it's I c- c- promise you like your body will try. It's not blind faith. It's like genuine faith, genuine trust that it can do this.
1: I think too, for me on the note of coaching, like it was just such a comfort to know that somebody, cause for me, I'm the only person I know Mm -hmm. who is experiencing this. My only like example of any data is my own and I'm in the middle of it. Right. So like, it was such a comfort for me to have somebody who has seen many other cases similar to mine or not similar but at least similar in this way and and just somebody confidently tell me like yes this is what you need to do because I knew in my gut that I needed to do it and that my behaviors were problematic and that it wasn't normal that all my family and friends are eating um Quiche after on the day after Thanksgiving brunch, but somebody has to bring fruit and yogurt for Amy because Amy's not gonna eat quiche. Like that's that's not normal, and I knew that, but just to like have somebody, it I was just really able to to trust, and I think also like I was trying I explained that to my husband too. I was like, but you don't get it, like, and that, and he's like, so they're not a doctor, I'm like <laughs> not a doctor, but has seen this a lot and knows what she's talking about. He's like, I mean, if you trust her, I trust her. But like, it just, you know, it was just a little bit off the wall, but but yeah, like I, it was just such a comfort to have somebody who works in this and does only this and focuses on this all day, guide me through the process.
2: I'm so curious, what did your husband say after your first auditory cycle, after he was like, "What do you mean this chick who's not a doctor is gonna help you eat toast in the morning?" <laughs> yeah,
1: Um, yeah, he. Uh, it's been like weird, weird. It's been a weird month. He's been gone so much this month. Um, he, he's yeah. in the military, so like just like in and out a lot. So it kind of happened like when he wasn't here, and so and also like some. Parts of his travel were overseas. So, like, our communication wasn't great. So, he's like getting these random messages from me of like visual, like pictures of my ovulation tests. And it's probably like, what am I even looking at? You know? So, I think he was just like, probably, I don't even know. He didn't, he was just like, well, this is good news. So, he was just like excited. But, husbands are good like that. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just like he was probably looking at me like, well, yeah. So, you're eating more and everything's working. So, like that's what I told you
0: so <laughs> yeah they're a little bit like confused I mean I don't know if you ever listened to I did an episode a long time ago with my husband he was on the show
1: oh um, I think I did hear that
0: one yeah it was, was a long t- it was a while ago but if you're an OG like you may might have come across it and for those people that that episode like worked for you know it was like it was really helpful and some people will have like listened to it a few times and sent it to their husband I think that it's really fascinating their perspective I would love to interview Blake. Ashley
2: um
1: and just he like, is- do it you should do okay it.
2: yeah yeah I might oh, listen, have I'm- to do it because yeah. I think that he will hear Danny and I is like Marco Polo and he's like look it starts at the hypothalamus and it hits the oh patelius. yeah he knows all the info <laughs> yeah <laughs> I do not to
1: the point where I'm
2: like Blake do you want a job
1: <laughs> I don't know he- that yeah.
2: would be funny because he is actually I mean granted like this is like two to three years of having me talk about this over and over and over and over again so it's like the same chapter of a textbook Mm -hmm. over and over and Uh. over and over over. because you're right like this is all we do this is the only thing we focus on we focus on restoring like ovulation to fertility like this is it we and you're like we're not handling anything else outside of this and so but now it's just it's just so amazing that he was obviously compassionate before, but he didn't really understand. He just saw his wife go crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And yeah. then now he like completely understands. And yeah, it's wild. I would actually love to hand over the mic to him for like 30 yeah. minutes. He's
0: just I got such another soothing
2: Georgia yeah. and
0: voice. You no, know, like just, I love it. Well, and yeah, the reason I asked was just because there's a part on the episode where Jake Jake is like, I just didn't get it. I was just like, why don't you just eat more? God,
1: I don't understand.
0: Yeah, and it's very he, hard to ex- explain.
1: I think like one thing with my husband, like he, we've been together a long time and he's, and I, I mean, I've had several breakdowns about, I mean, throughout all the fertility stuff, then through this, like several beating myself up, upset about, like what my body couldn't do when I was going through fertility treatment and now upset about the changes in my body, you know, that have happened. And, um, he has been super supportive and been able to say, like, I don't understand how hard this is because it doesn't seem hard to me, but I understand that it's hard for you because I know you and I can like, see how hard it is for you to eat a bagel every day. And I'm like sitting here crying, like eating my bag, you know, but like, and he, and he's like, this this isn't hard. Like you just eat, it's not hard to eat a bagel, but like for you, I get it that it's hard. And so I think like, I don't know, I've just been blessed with a really supportive partner in the whole thing. And if I didn't have that person, because he's like my day to day, like, how did it go today? You're my, like, you're getting the full, like unload at the end of the day so I I think like Mm -hmm. having that is important and then like having a coach as well I've always looked forward to our correspondence because it's like it it's very like uplifting and I can just put out there however I'm feeling and and I know I'll get a response that's going to help me feel better so appreciate everything
2: I love that. Oh, so good. Uh, well, we're gonna have to c- have you come back for part two, but I'm glad that we had you for part one about what got you here and getting your first ovulation. Now we're there, working is there, on a second. there's a part two that I don't know about. Well, I mean, we are definitely well, striving <laughs> for. Oh, I see. Okay. Cause there's a goal. All right. There is a yeah. goal, but I wanted to make sure that we captured this, you know what I mean? That we okay, captured that absolutely hit that goal. That's what I'm saying. That's what yeah. I was like, girl. Your first one is nine days luteal. Yeah, that's really good. Please just eat the other half of that bagel. We're gonna get this.
1: I know. I just yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, I probably really? the three days. No, the the three sufficient days sufficient
0: progesterone and follicular development lies on the other side of eating the entire meal. Yeah, it's so true. Been there. Been yeah. there. Okay, yeah. I love it, Amy. All right, thank beautiful you so people, much for sharing your story, we so appreciate it. Yeah. Ash, yeah. thanks for joining, and for nominating Amy. Yes.
2: yes,
0: thank you, Amy. Next week, bye. All right, bye. Hey there, it's me, Danny, and I want to tell you about Temp Drop as a fertility awareness method tracking option. So many of you guys know that we actually recommend the fertility awareness method both as you're going through recovery and 100% after you have gotten some cycles back and you're starting to move forward for the rest of your reproductive years. So TempDrop itself is a wearable fertility monitor and we love it. It's a wearable device so you put it around your arm and you can use that instead of taking your temperature manually with a thermometer each morning. So I'm personally a big fan of the manual tracking. All of us at the HA Society are. And that's the method that we use, you know, just using a good old thermometer. We use that with our clients because it's the best way to use it as a diagnostic tool, as a practitioner. And it's also the best way to ensure if you're trying to avoid pregnancy that you don't get pregnant. However, manual temping for many reasons is just not always an option. When you're in the middle of recovery, Again, we do recommend manual temping, but once you're cycling, the temp drop is actually a really great hack. So it gives you basically everything you need to effortlessly track your fertility status, like where you are in your monthly cycle. So you wear the temp drop sensor while you're sleeping for accurate basal body temperature readings without the stress of early morning wake ups. So I personally love this because with a toddler, My wake-up times are all over the place, and the occasional sleep disruptions make using an oral thermometer a lot more difficult. So, TempDrop's accompanying charting app enables you to track an array of symptoms alongside your basal body temperature. This includes tracking your cervical mucus if you've been using OPKs, and then it also gives you sleep insights to... So you can combine these fertility signs all in one place and that will help you identify your fertile window, confirm ovulation, plan for your period. And if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, identify whether or not you are pregnant. So whether you're trying to conceive or avoiding pregnancy or you want to chart for health reasons like HA recovery, making sure your cycle's not slipping back in the HA direction. TempDrop makes fertility awareness accessible to all women, even if you don't have regular cycles or sleeping patterns. So track your ovulation in real time with the TempDrop. And we are lucky enough to have a 15% off code. So if you go to their website, they're usually having a sale, but you can stack this code on top of the existing code. So just go to... Tempdrop.thehasociety.com and use the code AFHA Society. I think too, if you just go to tempdrop.com and, and use um, AFHA Society at the checkout, that will work too. So happy temping and good luck. This episode is brought to you by Grassland Nutrition Beef Liver Capsules. Did you know that in terms of nutrient density, beef liver actually blows vegetables and fruits out of the water? If you're a client of mine, you have already been instructed to eat beef liver either fresh or in capsule form. I recommend it for anyone and everyone who is of course dealing with amenorrhea and fertility challenges out there but i may even recommend it for just everyone in general get your husbands on it get your partners on it if you have a history of ha and add on top of that maybe a history of the pill maybe you've been pregnant before you know through treatments or other like you've just your body's been through anything You know, you're absolutely 100% dealing with a nutrient deficiency of some kind. And while it's true that testing is going to be the best way to understand those exact deficiencies, eating nutrient-dense real food is going to be one of the most important next steps that you take with or without testing. rich source of beef liver get 10% off your order with the H.A. Society and support your favorite podcast along the way they ship to most countries so you should be covered just go to grasslandnutrition.net and use H.A. Society just H.A. Society at the checkout for the 10% off that's grasslandnutrition.net with the code H.A. Society